0: Hello, I'm Jennifer Closter, and welcome to the Book Cave. Today I'm delighted to be interviewing the award-winning children's author, Corinne Fenton. Corinne, welcome to the Book Cave. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. It's and... an absolute pleasure. And <laughs> a special guest today, we have Prince Harry. No, not that Prince Harry. <laughs> this Prince Harry, not a redhead, but a beautiful white West Highland Terrier. Yes, Yes. And he's a
1: beautiful boy. Why do we have Harry here? We have Harry here um, because I needed, um, originally when Little Dog and Christmas Wish um, came out, um, I needed a West Highland Terrier for the book launch. And I contacted a few friends and they said, no, mine's too grumpy or too old or whatever. And I wandered into Collins Croydon Bookshop one day and there was Harry behind the counter and since then harry and i have been pretty good friends haven't we harry how Hmm? wonderful
0: and so (laughs) harry's a celebrity
1: harry is a bit of a celebrity and he likes
0: being a celebrity well mostly i think okay (laughs) (laughs) well here he is we're going to talk about little dog and the christmas wish in a little bit but first of all i'd like to go back to your first i believe it's your first book my first picture book your first picture book yes which was published originally in 2006. Yes. So it's just over 10 years old. I know. know. And it's had a wonderful life. Mm. And it's about um, Queenie, One Elephant's Story. Can you tell us about
1: Queenie? Okay. Um, It's a true story um, and it's a story I had to write. To me, there was no choice. So um, really I think I was... um, writing a story about sparrows this was the beginning house sparrows and somebody suggested i might get some good sparrow information from the zoo so i clicked on the zoo website and i've no idea how i ended up away from the sparrows and amongst the elephants (laughs) (laughs) and i did and back then there was this one page and i'd never heard of queenie and i read the one page and i cried I read it again and I cried again, and I, I knew right then that I just had to write the story. And uh, but the first thing was I couldn't work out why nobody had ever written her story before, mm-hmm. and that was the first thing I had to establish. And uh, no, nobody had thought of writing her story before. And uh, so, look, it took a very long time, and being my first picture book, mm-hmm. um, it also it took a while to get publishers and all that sort of stuff. But look, it was still all right. Harry, do again. get? Um, yeah. So so it was still, it still took two, I think, two, four, sorry, four years, eight months from when I decided to write the story to when I held the book in my hand. So I think that people look at picture books and say, oh, you know, 500 words, yeah. they'll be written in, in five minutes, but yeah. that's certainly not, not okay, the case. Well,
0: well, let's go a little deeper there because yep. that is fascinating because it is a picture book with, you know, some words on each page. but. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously not a very long book. It's no. a book for children, effectively. Yep. And yet it took a long time to write.
1: Mm-hmm. So why? Research. <laughs> okay. it? Um, and look, all of, if you write, whether it's, a, I guess, a fiction or a non-fiction book, the research is huge because every bit of mm. information you put into a children's book must be true and must be correct. Um, So, look, there was that aspect. But I think the thing with Queenie was that I assumed that I'd get all this information at the zoo because she was at the zoo walking um, the circuit for almost 40 years. Um, But, in fact, look, you know, there was some information at the zoo, but at at one stage apparently all the zoo records had been stored under a monkey's cage. So... (laughs) For years and years. So at some point they pulled theirs out and took them to the public records office. And uh, so they people had to work with white gloves to make sure that they were okay and all of that. So um, so I actually went to the public records office and got a lot of information there. But I think more than that, it was through the people I met. And the more people I spoke to, the more information I found. And, you know, Queenie is in the memories of the... 80 plus year olds. Um, My mother is one yeah, of them. Yes. She, she rode on Queenie. Yes. Yeah, as and a child. it's, so, um, that look, that was another thing too. I think if I had a dollar for everybody who said to me, Oh, I rode on Queenie. And when I say, Well, hang on, when was that? And if it's anything after 1945, mm. it wasn't Queenie. No. And, um, I think that people are actually disappointed oh, that it wasn't Queenie that they rode. So.
0: Mm. There certainly is a very long list of yes, uh, acknowledgements, which is impressive. Yes. But yes. I knew a bit of the story of Queenie, but I didn't know mm. all of these amazingly wonderful details. Mm. But you've told it beautifully, and, of course, it's superbly illustrated. Beautiful work. By um, Peter, Peter Goldthorpe, Peter Goldthor, who's mm. just done a superb job. Mm. But I have to say it was a sad story in the end. I know. Well, I mean, I think. Obviously, with modern sensibilities, it's a sad story in the beginning to take an elephant from its natural habitat mm. and, Absolutely. you know, bring it to a zoo and, and particularly the zoos of the early 1900s, which were not like zoos today. Nope. No. Um, but the actual ending is sad because Queenie's life is it. we can spoil, I think it's a bit of a spoiler, but I don't think it matters. No, don't. Um, that, mm. that she actually ended up crushing her one of her keepers. Do we know Why?
1: Ah, no, look, there were a couple of theories on that, and look, you know, firstly, um, I agonised over this story and and telling the truth yeah. and I had to be true to myself and I suppose over the years um, and I've read this story to five-year-olds even some four-year-olds and there's never been an issue I mean certainly there are questions from children yeah. but there's never been an issue um, because I've been honest and I think that's a really really important thing um, but look a couple of theory- theories regarding her crushing Wilfred Lawson um, and the first one is that um, there are a number of rumours that that he was actually cruel to her. Yeah. Now, he was 69, so he'd retired, and they brought him back from retirement. Um, so he was quite elderly. Um, but an elephant is a huge animal and needs to be respected, and accidents can happen. Um, but, yes, yeah, so look, a, a couple of theories. It was the end of a long day, and Queenie had given um, many rides, and there was only one little girl on her back, and the father and little girl were walking away from Queenie. And uh, so they were looking the other way and Wilfred Lawson and Queenie were walking towards the gate out yep. of the circuit. So the only witnesses were people on the merry-go-round, which was going round. Oh. So how much do you see when you've got an elephant here in yeah. the merry-go-round? Yep. And so, look, one theory is that um, he, well, he did bend to pick something up and uh, one theory is that um, Queenie had had enough and she just gave him a bit of a knock. The other theory is that he actually had a heart attack and he f- so that when people saw Queenie bend down to pick him up, she could have been oh actually trying to wake him up, being and say and, and what's wrong? Yeah. So I tried. I, I drove um, to Malden years ago. Um, there was somebody there who worked at the zoo yeah. as a vet, but by the time I got to this person, they actually had Alzheimer's oh. and they were unable to recall. That's <laughs> so, really- so I don't believe there was anybody who actually saw what truly happened, which is why I had to be a little bit open ended on it. But um, yes a lot to ask of an animal and I think she put up with a lot. I do and, too, uh, yes. Mm, yes. Mm. But I
0: do love this particular episode in your book where the children had been teasing her and know, she so. had actually – gone out the back yes, and come back and she end up squirting them with um, a, a trunk full water. Of water. Dirt, yeah, <laughs> dirty. a of
1: dirty water. Yeah. yeah. So very intelligent. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. incredible. You know, and, and they do remember, I mean, that thing about elephants not forgetting. Yeah. Um, truly, truly remember. But I think, in fact, when I read that in the class um, and get to that point... Children actually cheer, you know. Not every class, no. but they get to that point, and it's like yay, you <laughs> know. And um, so it is something to be rejoiced. But look, she deserved to be remembered. She um, did, and it's a beautiful
0: um, tribute to a, a remarkable animal. So congratulations on oh, that. Thank you. Thanks, Jennifer. But then this lovely book, the mm-hmm. dog on the Tucker box, and of course, all or probably all Australians, I think, are familiar with the uh, hopefully the dog sits on the Tucker box. On the road to Gundagai, yes, um, in Queensland, and um, but this is a, also a tribute, really, to Australian pioneers, it European is. pioneers. It is. It um, is. So, what brought you? It's an interesting jump
1: from Queenie to mm. the pioneers. Look, it is. It um, and it. I think, um, look, I remember it exactly. Um, so Queenie had done quite well. Yeah. And um, a publisher, Marianne Ballantyne, said to me, look, Queenie, I would like another another animal story. Can you think of another icon? Animal icon, and I actually went home and I had this, and I should have brought it with me, a tiny little orange book, which at that point I think it was printed by Gundagai Hospital as a fundraiser, and it gave a little bit of background into the story of the dog on the Tugger Box. And I had this at home and I looked at it and I thought, oh, that would be a really Mm. good story. Um, So I went back and I said to Marianne, you know, what do you think about the dog on the Tugger Box? Terrific, she said, really good. Um, Look, I had a lot of trouble, I suppose, because um i i was I had to follow up a good book, and that 's always terrifying yes, yes, to yes. any author you know you you 're only as good as your last book, and I suppose so that was that was really hard so for a while i had um it was hard work trying to put myself to, to love to love lady and um so i think i've mentioned in the front there i was i'd written and i'd rewritten and i was going over and over the text um but i still felt i didn't know my character enough i didn't know my dog interesting and which was just yeah, So it was this struggle thing that we all sort of go through and um anyway my daughter was um house sitting and dog sitting as well yeah and uh um, I ended up looking after one oh, a couple of days a dog who was who was sick, and um she was a kelpie, and I ended up with Kate, and she died in my arms so <laughs> i I had this my story is lacking emotional impact, and that's what it was, and it took sitting there with Kate. For me to realize that that's what was missing in my story, and you don't want you would never wish for that to happen, but it's, no. what, it's what my story needed. Well, you do so, love Lady,
0: I mean, I as you that. read this, you know, the I think I think mm. everyone falls in love with Lady. Mm. Um, two things it's it's uh again another sad story, though.
1: Yep, <laughs> you know, um, is that the true story of the dog? Or well, okay, so look, the way I explain this to, to children, um probably more than anything, is that it's sort of my faction book. So right. it's a story that every bit of research, every bit of information is absolutely true and correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual story, um, for her being a female dog, for instance, yeah. I sat back and I thought, I've got this really, I've got bullockies and I've got pioneers. It's a very male-dominated yeah. story. So I was, at the time, um, the research information, I was working with the man who was secretary of the Bullockies League and uh, I rang him one day and I said, look, is there... Any reason why the dog in the tucker box has to be a male dog? And he said, No, not at all. He said, It could just as easily be a female. So that was a a decision that I made at the time to get the balance sort of right. And yes, hopefully, hopefully that worked. But look, funnily enough, many people say to me that they think dog in the tucker box is more sad than Queenie. And for years, I had trouble with that. I thought, Well, how can that be? It's an open ending. I I don't really say that the dog in the tucker box. Died. I don't mention that. Um, and then I thought, well, okay, the big thing is, not many people have an elephant in their backyard, but everybody has a dog. So I suppose that's the
0: right. That's yes. the difference. Well, I with think. That. Well, and also. Mm-hmm. I think it's that sort of Greyfriars-Bobby story of the dog loyally waiting for the master or mistress who never returns. Yes, yes. And I think this is incredibly, you know, tugs on the heartstrings, <laughs> yeah, know. you know, that idea that, you know, the, the dog day after day and can't be, you know, loyally waiting and then can't be, ta- you know, by any means drawn away from its post of waiting for the master. Loyal. It's,
1: it's that loyalty. It's incredible
0: thing. loyalty. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that really does tug at the heartstrings. But what I find really revelatory talking to you, Corinne, is mm. this idea that you know, I'm a writer but and I spend hours and days and weeks and months researching my books because again I need everything to be correct. Yeah. But yes. these are short picture books and that never really I don't think I'd ever really understood okay. that you too could spend years oh, yeah. researching a book that is yes. really only perhaps what 36 pages yes wait till we get to tertius <laughs> oh my word well I'm um, looking forward to that look, so a, I, I think that's yeah. a revelation for many people mm. that you know a, a picture book isn't just sort of oh well there you go I might go home for the weekend and write a picture
1: book oh they do I've had, I've had been at dinner parties and people have said you've inspired me that's what I'm going to do tonight go home and <laughs> write a picture book and I look at them horrified and think oh yes I'm going to go home and your a brain surgeon so <laughs> oh, <too."> um, <laughs> look look I think it is I Look, my thing is I, I really believe that every single word in a picture book must earn the right to be there, yes. you know, apart from the, 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 the odds and, yes. Ends yes. and that sort of thing. Yes. Um, and there's one word actually in, in this. So in on the bushfire page, one word took me six months. Now, of course, I didn't stare at, no. at, the, at that word for six months, yeah. um, but I'd go away and come back and... Um, I knew the word would come, but I just had to wait and be patient. Um, and it was, um, the outrage bull flung lady off as if she were a matchstick. So it was the matchstick. Oh. And I kept having this vision in my head of a, a birdcage. So I can, I see. I see the illustrations yes, in my head, yes. but I can't draw to save my life. And that is frustrating. But on this occasion, this this it was just there, this birdcage, but a, a fine bamboo type one. Yes. Anyway, in the end, look, one day I was sitting at the computer and I'd even said to my friends, what word do you think would be here? And anyway, matchstick just dropped. So it it also, it was something fragile. So lady against the bull is so tiny and yes. fragile. Um, and yet um she has the power behind her because she was brave and a match also has the power to start a bushfire so that was that was a good word
0: oh it's so clever so, <laughs> so do you find the
1: whole writing process is it magical is it difficult is it what is it it's all of those things yeah. <laughs> um look it, it's yeah it's both it's um i suppose the moments are magic they're not always there um but i suppose with a picture book for me, I can research and research, but I don't start to write until I know that I'm ready to write. Okay. Mm. So I have to wait and be really patient. because If I start too early, it won't work.
0: Wow, okay. Mm. So then the writing, mm. how long, I mean, how, how many hours a day do you sit and write if it's... No different?
1: idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, look, I probably, yeah, I don't keep a record of it. No. I suppose I have a job to do, whether it's a story that just drops into my head and then I start writing that of my own accord or whether a publisher has said, Corinne, this is a story we would like you to write. Um, So in both of those instances, I still have to wait until I'm in the the mood to write. But sometimes the words, I say, they just drop into the top of my head and that's lovely when that happens. So is this a... Drop in the top of my head one. Okay.
0: (laughs) This is just a delicious book, if I may call it that. Thank you. Um, Absolutely just so beautiful. I wish wish I'd had this when my children were little. (laughs)
1: Thank you. This is
0: Hey Baby. Mm -hmm. And it's just a beautiful, life-affirming... I actually think for any age. I enjoyed reading it just for myself. Um, And it's just so clever with these wonderful animal pictures. Yes, they are. I think almost I'm tempted to read it to the camera. Go on, off you go. (laughs) Never doubt for a second a splash or a hold your breath moment just how special... I love that photo. Yes. <laughs> How unique... How precious? Oh. <laughs> yes <laughs> You are oh, baby hippos. <laughs> and know that in all the world, there will never be... A newborn baby (laughs) with eyes and ears, (laughs) nose and toes, a laugh, a smile, (laughs) a cheeky grin, (laughs) exactly like yours and it's beautiful with that baby those beautiful eyes and the beautiful baby kangaroo joey now
1: that is just a delicious book thank you don't you think it's my accident book oh (laughs) how is it an accident um okay so i'd written a story which is still in a bottom drawer and it's never has never been published um and at the time it was going to be published and at the end of it I just had this idea that I would write a poem about a mother's love for mm-hmm. their baby. So I did this as sort of a little added thing on the end. And um, Marianne Ballantyne saw it and um, she said, what's this? And I said, oh, look, I just thought I'd add that at the end because I think it's nice. And I, I was standing in her kitchen, that's why I remember so well, and she said, Corinne, I actually think this is a book of its own, which is quite ironic to think that the original story has never been published and then this one has and then there have been three others that came from this. Um, So, yeah, so, um, so there's, yeah, hey, Mum, I love you, hey, Dad, you're great, and hey, baby, it's Christmas. So it was just one of those things, but that was a writer Corinne It just feels right and get it down. So that was a real right from the heart that I didn't have to do a great amount of research. And then um, Black Dog Books and and Walker did the the photograph. So was that
0: your idea, the animal photograph? Um, Or was that something? Well,
1: look, I had it in my head. But I can't draw. So I think at that point, Marianne said to me, well, look, what about we do photographs in this? And um, I sort of said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. So they actually got retrieved all the photographs and they would send them to me and say, what do you think about this one? So it went backwards and forwards for quite a while. But it was fun and it was very different from the other things that I'd been doing. So that was good. Wonderful.
0: Well, because then you return to Australian Yes, history again. <laughs> yes, but I love your way of doing Australian history because of, obviously it makes it incredibly accessible,
1: and I think that's really important. Yeah. Because I think if you can uh, share the information in a way that is easy and and palatable mm. for children, and I think you know the thing about picture books, I feel really strongly about is that you know boys supposedly don't always read, and you know it's not it's not just boys; no. it's girls as well. Um, they can't all sort of love books from the beginning, but I think um, to be able to read a book in five minutes and then if they want to know more about trains, more about mm. the history of, of, of that era, they can actually go to information books or they can then jump on the internet and find more information. So I see picture books as a vehicle and, you know, they can still get inform- information and still enjoy the story um, as much as they can from a thick book. So if... if if a novel terrifies some boys or yeah. girls, they're able to read this, still do a book report if they need to, still learn from that information. So that's why I think it's important. Well,
0: I love this. i would never mm. heard of Bob the Railway hey, Dog. not you? No. Oh. It's a beautiful story, mm. originally from South Australia, yes. I guess. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but this is in the late 1800s mm. in Australia, mm. and uh, I didn't know about all these dogs that they apparently sent out into the outback to kill the rabbits, rabbits yes. which clearly didn't work. <laughs> all but anyway it was i suppose a good try they're probably all who knows what happened to them anyway yes, but yeah. bob of course um got kept by one of the guards on the train mm. but he became an incredible traveler yes and he seems to have traveled all over australia yes. on <laughs> well, any train
1: east coast yeah yeah Every, everybody knew him it's which- just astonishing. It is astonishing. Yeah. And, um, Do we know how long he lived? Oh, let me think, let me think. I, because of all the information books now, yeah. I'm getting my, my dates jumbled. Oh. So I think, now let me think, he was about um, 12, I think, from off, off the top of my yeah. head. Um, he was about 12 and um, he actually died in um is it rundle street oh in the rundle street the station. mall station oh, yeah. not oh, the rundle, mall the no hindley. Hindley, hindley hindley sorry up the other end and um there was a butcher shop there that when he was in adelaide he would actually visit the butcher shop and apparently one day he called in for his food had had a really good meal and there was a dog on the other side of the road walked past bob gave a bark must have had a heart attack and died so look what we would all want and he wasn't he wasn't terribly old but he wasn't young either and he'd had this fantastic life this is my favorite oh i know i just love
0: this (laughs) but what also really touched me about this book not just the story but you have some really beautiful lyrical writing which isn't what uh, one always tends to expect in a child's picture book, you know. Um, mm. If I can just read this, this, his favorite spot was on a Yankee engine or on the coal tender, with the whistle echoing and wild smoke billowing about him. He stood there when the night train ran, only the glow of one lonely beam unstitching the black opal night, while spinifex bushes peeped from beside the
1: tracks like woolly headed ghosts <laughs> so i believe um writing in the real so if you can take yourself to the place so with queenie i used to sit in the zoo and i used to sit where queenie walked mm. and i got a sense of place there and i could actually feel her there um so that was important and yes i went backwards and forwards to Gundagai guy five times because i had to be there i had to feel um where lady had been um and and with with this one, um, my husband and I actually took the GAN. Oh and we did sit up in the night and we did see the visions of the, the ghosts and the woolly head mm. so all that was sort of there, it was in my head. So I was able to call on that and
0: yeah. it's just fascinating. This is what Lady <laughs> Antonia Fraser calls optical research. <laughs> oh. And it's it's I've certainly done it for my Georgette Hale work, mm. you know, gone to every place mm. that she ever lived and got inside the houses by some means or other yeah. oh, and really. you absorb um, and you understand much more deeply mm. than if you never do those things. Mm.
1: You, can, you can feel yeah, it. Yeah, you, yeah. You've got that, that.
0: That five senses, that really visceral experience, I think this really comes through mm. in, in mm. your writing and, of course, in the illustrations. Now, talk tell us a little bit about the relationship between an author and an illustrator. How does that work? Yes. Look,
1: I believe it's different um, between every author and every illustrator for every book. Ah. Um, so there'll be some some authors who'll say, well, I never meet my illustrators, I've got no idea. Um, and there is that thing, and I believe this too, that as an author we reach a point where we have to let the story go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we have to have complete trust in the illustrator. And to me the best picture books are the ones where – the, the words and the illustrations equally tell the story. Yes. So, you know, no words, just illustrations, no illustrations, no words. It, it's not a true picture book um so to me it's really important that then that the author and the illustrator work together i have been lucky enough to meet all my illustrators um yeah. except one and that's only because she lives up on the the coast in new south wales so um and look we i have never had any issue with any of the illustrators that i've worked with thus far and i i believe um it's not my right to, um, tell somebody how to illustrate, because that's just not my, my job. Um, but what does happen when the roughs come through? Yeah. Um, mostly they're, they're perfect. Um, But if there's something that I feel isn't gelling, that's when I say something. But I suppose I'll only say something if it's really important because I'm not qualified. Um, So, you know, there have been a few um, instances where I've actually sat and said, well, look, I don't believe that 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 illustration is right, um, but I have to feel really firmly that it's not. Right. And mm-hmm. then it, it gets adapted? Um, yes, look, it has. And right. I think, you know, I mean, I speak to the publisher or the editor at the time and we work through it and work through why. Um, but, you know, mostly I'm really pleased. And as I say, I can't draw. So, yeah. is a, you know, I can only look back and say, all right, has, has, has the job there is the book the very best it can be yeah. with those illustrations and those words? And another thing I do do, um, if the illustrator has illustrated as it should be, I'll quite often let those words go um, and I'll sit and cross those words out at the very last wow. minute. Wow. And I did that with the dog in the tucker box because Peter had, um, look, so much of it was interpreted, interpreted so well yeah. that... I felt that my words... Some of the words weren't weren't necessary necessary anymore. They needed to be there in the beginning so he could do the illustration, but then I was happy to take them away.
0: Fascinating.
1: Mm. So about
0: words, Mm. in terms of your audience, you know, obviously you're writing for young children, Mm. Um, and we've just read that lovely lyrical, what I think is a very lyrical piece from Bob the Railway Dog. Mm. How important do you think is lyrical writing or really fine
1: writing for very young children? I think it's really important. I I, I think that children... Um, I think writing can be too simple. I, mm. think, I think there's certain words need to be, but you throw in an important, magical, lyrical word there that they haven't heard before, mm. and they will remember that. That's the word that they will treasure. And I think children can handle it. I think we perhaps underestimate them a little bit. And, you know, if, it, if it's a lyrical word that bounces off the tongue a little bit and they can go back too. You know, alliteration is wonderful for for mm. children. And just reading that out loud, um, and I suppose for me, look, school visits, you can have your good days at school visits and and bad days. And, you know, I think the the visits you have, the class that's before lunch when the children are hungry, um, can be a bit of a challenge sometimes or if they're at the end of term and they're a bit tired. So all that can be a challenge about... What is really lovely is if you sit there and read your book out loud and there's this is silence. Yeah. And I just don't believe children are ever too old to be read to. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think in fact I think we should she... be reading
0: aloud to our children yes. far more than we do. Yes, I do too. And for longer. Yeah. You know, I think Absolutely. It's a wonderful way to give children a love of books yes. and a love of reading and
1: it's meant to be fun. Yes. It's meant to be pure joy, really. Yes. And really. something that's shared and yeah. that you can all... I remember um, at one stage when my children were about, oh, I think about 10 and 12, and we were moving house. Anyway, I ended up... We spent every night reading through uh, Fox Bull, Julian Rubinstein. Oh, yes, novel, yes, yes. And we read like a chapter a night. Now, my kids now still remember that as being a really special experience and they keep referring back to that. And uh, you need to do that. I think I think the sharing and the reading and, and also for grandparents with yeah. these books as well. Um, grandparents like to share something that was in their day. So. Well,
0: I think that's a fantastic um, introduction to this. Mm. One Christmas Eve, mm. one of your christmas books yes and just beautiful and this one's set in melbourne in the 19 62 60, 68, 68 68 wonderful 68, yes. oh, i actually would have thought it was a little tiny bit earlier than yeah
1: that. no the, the um the little dog ones are the 50s yeah. and this is the 60s, 60s. so okay. yes yes
0: um this is just beautifully illustrated mm. um, this is um marjorie crosby Farrell, yes and she's just done a really rich, sumptuous set of illustrations mm. to mm. go with your beautiful story. And uh, I love the fact that you've brought this one back to Melbourne um, and Luna Park. Yes. And I remember the Giggle Palace. Yes. <laughs> the Giggle Palace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really wonderful. But it's a wonderful flight of fan- fantasy that I think children would relate to, you know, that idea that you could sort of take off on a merry-go-round horse and mm. fly through fly. the air. Um, really beautiful, and the grandfather
1: um, has taken her. So, what inspired this book? Ah, this was a um, look. I'd had um, little dog and the Christmas wish for the, the Maya windows, and that had gone really well. Yeah, and the suggestion was that I write another one. So it was. It had to be quite quick, um, but. I really it was one of those ideas I guess that dropped into my head because so I thought about Melbourne and what was um popular around that time and um I have this love for Italy and I've lived in Italy a little bit and traveled there a couple of times and yeah you know, I thought about um Melbourne then and when when what it was like to be in Melbourne and mm. I guess you know, you might have a couple of, of children in the class who are of Italian heritage. Yeah. And I just thought about Little Girl Luna Park being a place where um, children could escape to and have a good time, forget all their worries and um, enjoy themselves. And the magic, you know, there's got to be magic in the world. Um, mm. And I think especially these days there's a lot of sad stuff going on in the world. And I think to have some imagination and... And for kids to believe that, yeah, you know, she, she believed this could happen and, and they could fly away and fly all over Melbourne. And, um, I suppose, look, one of the difficulties with this was that, it, it was a bit longer. The, the story was right. longer in my head, yeah. and there were other bits that I had to let go. Um, and sometimes that can be really, really hard, really challenging. Yes, yes. Um, but it had to bits had to had to be had to go from it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I had other other visions as well. Um, but Marjorie is a, um, a Sydney illustrator. Right. Um, so um, it was she actually came down here and sat at Luna Park, and I remember was the one with the. Um, the Lovely Sunset, I think. Oh, there's a beautiful... The beginning. Um, so what happened with that, and this is actually quite funny, so Marjorie was busy illustrating away, and I don't know when this was, but yeah. last year. So I was um, in St Kilda that night and I rang the, um, uh, the illustrated director in Sydney and I said, look, I'm here at Luna Park in St Kilda. Is there anything you want me to take? And she said, well, look, ring Marjorie and see what she says. So I called Marjorie and she said, look, just take anything, Corinne. And I said, well, it's just a beautiful sunset here tonight. And it was just stunning. So mm-hmm. I sort of feel that's my.
0: Oh, you <laughs> So you may not be able to draw, but you <laughs>
1: no. made it happen. <laughs> I made it happen. So it was just one of those things. And yeah. that's why it is important to talk to the illustrator at times, you know, not mm. not all the time. But to me that was just a, a, a pretty special thing and it was just this magnificent sunset that night. and um, Just so, gorgeous. Yes, so. Well, Little Dog and the
0: Christmas Wish, this is the book mm. that inspired the Maya windows. That's right, yes. So the Meyer windows, of course, Meyer Melbourne is a, a very famous department store. It used to be the third largest department store in the world after Macy's and Harrods. And did you uh, know that? Yes, did absolutely, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, gosh. Mm. I was a manager at Myers. Were you? Years. Yes, I oh. was. So the Maya windows are a very iconic part of Melbourne's history, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so every year at Christmas, as you know, obviously, um, they from the 1950s have had these wonderful mechanical windows which have, uh, I can still remember Cinderella. Um, mm. And they had this wonderful scene with the the sink and the dishes, and the dishes went in and out of the sink with Cinderella at the, di- at the mm. and coming down the stairs and having left her glass slipper behind, and she'd come forward and rock back into the slipper. See, so you
1: remember all that detail, yeah, right? absolutely, yeah, Ooh. because that's how
0: incredibly powerful, particularly yes. for children, yeah. you know, and the wonder of the kind of mechanical thing, mm. you know, creatures, mm. animals moving. So, mm. of course, you had. Little Dog and the Christmas mm. wish as a mile window
1: mm. that is huge. Look, it was how good, did that sorry. feel? <laughs> uh, look, it felt, it felt. Um, look, I'll explain this from the very beginning because yeah. it, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll try and tell it quickly. So, and this is
0: Harry's book.
1: The, well, <laughs> in a way, it's it, it, look, it is now, it has become yes. Harry's book, absolutely become Harry's book. So, um, what happened? Um, my publisher said, Black Dog Books, Mary Valentine said, um, Corinne, we'd like a Christmas story. And this was actually back when it was just Black Dog Books before Black Dog Books became an imprint of Walker Books mm-hmm. in Australia. And they said we wanted a Christmas story. And we talked about setting and time and all that sort of stuff. So I actually read this article back in 2000 Eight, I think yeah. it is, um, and it was about how children and, and adults, people buy puppies and kittens at Christmas, all exciting at first mm. and then come the Christmas holidays and everybody gets too busy and sometimes they forget to water them they forget to feed them and they more particularly forget to look after them and they can go out and get lost. So this article was in the back of my head. I'd been asked to write a Christmas story and I was sitting in the block arcade waiting mm. for um, a friend for lunch and she was running late. And as I was sitting there, I looked out into the arcade and I actually saw the whole story. It was like this visually. And, look, there was a Father Christmas. There is not a Father Christmas in it now. But at that point, I actually saw Father Christmas stepping out from this door opposite me and I saw this little white dog who was sheltering from, from the rain. And it was just all so clear. And I sat there and I started scribbling it down. So in here... I've actually got Hoped and Tea Rooms Block Arcade the seventh of November, which that was just the other day, but two thousand and eight. Wow. And I started writing the story. So um I did that um, and then Robin Coucher, after a while, was was the illustrator and so the book was released in October 2014 and we launched it in the Block Arcade and the Lord Mayor launched it and it was a lovely occasion. Just prior to that, I decided I needed a little Westie for the the launch and that's when I wandered into the bookshop and found Harry. So Harry's been involved since, well, three years ago now, since the launch of the book. So um, Roll On, so the book did quite well over the christmas period it sold out which was all lovely and then january i was sitting at home and i was actually minding harry so he was actually under my desk oh, harry and harry. <laughs> he was so and the the phone rang and um a Lady said, oh, I was at Corinne Fenton. It was a very bad line. Mm. And I was actually writing at the time. And I remember I felt awful after. I was quite rude. And I said, Look, I'm really sorry. Can you call back? I can't hear you. And then I hung up and she called back and she just said, Oh, look, Corinne, I'm just ringing to tell you your book, Little Dog and the Christmas Wish, has been chosen as the book for the My Windows. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I didn't quite believe it. And okay. um, to the point that I took her number and I said, Look, I'll just need to check with the publisher and I'll need to check. And she said, oh, you think it will be all right? And I said, oh, look, I'm sure it will be, but I'll just check. And I hung up and <laughs> Harry's looking at me and I said, Harry, did that really happen or am I dreaming? Of course, anyway, so then oh, I, okay. rang, <laughs> I rang <their laughs> Ann and I said, look, can you uh, can you just check this for me? And I think I said to her first, are you sitting down? And uh, anyway, and she said, look, I'll I'll check for you. And then she rang me back and she said, look, it's true. Do you want to ring Robin? And this was actually Robin Couch's first picture book. She'd done a lot of illustrating for the age over the years, um, but she'd not done a picture book before. So I then had the pleasure of ringing Robin. So, um, yes. Uh, So, look, it's set in the 50s, and to me this is... um, I used to think why this, we used to wonder why it appealed to people. And I think the 50s, we'd had two World Wars, we'd had the Depression, and these were really simple times. Life Mm. was simple. It wasn't necessarily easy and there wasn't a lot of money around, but um, people just did everyday things and got pleasure out of simple things. And I think people look back and remember that as a... A nice period of time.
0: Well, I think Mm. you talk about to – you you dedicate it to those who remember Christmas like this, Mm -hmm. and Mm. I do think that was a much simpler Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's beautifully written and illustrated, and it's an unexpected Christmas story. Yes, It's not your, you know, usual – run of Christmas stories Mm. it's quite different Mm. and I think Harry's just delightful (laughs) and the ending is beautifully Christmassy and happy and Mm. yeah I think the Christmas wish that comes true is a gorgeous thing. Mm. And there's Harry, of course, asleep in his basket, <laughs> and he's actually asleep on the floor. <laughs> yes, aren't you, Harry?
1: <laughs> it's funny you spoke before about Greyfriars Bobby, and I remember actually choosing what sort of dog would be the right yeah. dog for this. And you know, Greyfriars Bobby is just such a, a uh, favourite, um, as well. And um, so that was a big decision, you know. What and really, I thought about you know the white. West Highland Terrier because at that point I actually had I had there is still um, a man who meets him in the book but I had a lot more information there about him and he actually ties a red bow around little dog's neck so I thought the white and the red would look really good as a Christmas thing but the decision was made not to make it so Father Christmas and, and and bright Colours, yeah, um, and that's what is what makes Cause it because it's different. not
0: like that, it's not no. that kind of story, it's no. not a sort of glitzy, no. commercial Christmassy story thank in the way goodness. that we see them. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Thank goodness. So, it was a, it was a wonderful decision by mm. Maya actually to do mm. that. But, well, yes, yeah, well, thank you. Thank and you. now we have it in the Maya windows in Geelong, awesome. which is really thrilling. Mm. So, and you're mm. going to be launching. The Geelong Christmas tree. Apparently I might
1: and be pulling up the, or down, up the curtain. That's oh, the curtain. wonderful. Which I'm not sure whether it's me or an elf. And of course we have our, we
0: <laughs> our Christmas gala parade tomorrow mm, night. That's right. Which is really thrilling. Yes, yes. So we just have a couple of books. We don't have a lot of time, but I just wanted to, I found this book fascinating, <laughs> Counting on You. Mm. Such an interesting, unexpected book. Mm-hmm. You know, counting on you, you sort of think, you know what that's going to be about. And it's Beautifully written with these wonderful, um, evocative, um, sort of metaphors, you know, for, for the, every sort of day mm. and for moments and emotions. I think, mm. am I getting
1: that right? Yeah, look, you are. Um, and, you Have My Heart, did you see that as well? So there were, there were two like this. So You Have My Heart came first um, and then this one. So You Have My Heart was sort of a Mother's Day book right. around Mother's Day. So it's saying, you know, no matter, what, no matter what life brings, no matter what you do to me, you always have my heart. Yeah. And so that was that. And then um, I was asked to write. An equivalent, Father's Day one. Right. So it had to be different. And, you know, so what, what, how is that relationship between a, you know, a, a mother and a child and a father and a child? How is that different? And that's when I came to the idea of, you know, the sock things and what, what do fathers and, and, and children do together? And, you know, they get up to adventure, they do funny things yeah. and, and the relationship is, is different. And I suppose that's my take on that as being a different that's relationship. Beautiful because
0: Because also it's the kite. It's only Mm. ever the kite. Mm. It's never clearly stated that it's about the father or a father or a parent or anybody actually. Mm. It's Mm. only ever these beautiful illustrations and these wonderful words Mm. um, with the kite and the little boy. Um, But you do get that sense and I see that it's dedicated to your father. Mm. Mm. Um, And so you still somehow magically have conveyed this sort of meaning even though without ever saying what it's actually about, you still know.
1: I guess it's in here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, it is. Yeah, and, yeah, I think that, And look, that's short once again. I think it's 50 words or something. Yeah. And so you can tell a story with very few words, um, and I think that's a really important thing too. It doesn't have to be long um and sometimes yeah the the shorter they are the more difficult they are as well ah, um but you know the rather, stage you're right. oh look it wasn't that long um it it look i i went over and over i think i think the difference with with that one a little bit was that i'd already had you have my heart so yeah. i was quite clear on, on the format and where I was going with it. So um, And yeah, look, I remember sitting there, I had you have my heart, I got just my text out in front of me and then I sat there with it. And what I do, which sounds a bit silly, but if a lot of my ideas or a lot of um, my writing, I do in my head when I'm walking. And so I'll often walk and I take, in because I'm only writing picture books, it's the the manuscript, the words are just two pages. So I'll take my pen and my manuscript with me and I'll go for a walk. And if there's any stumbling block, or something's not working. It will often work when I've taken it for a walk, and I'll stop and alter as I go. Well, of we course,
0: course. <laughs> walking, walking—it's not silly because walking actually has that effect on the brain. I think they talk about switching it into alpha mode, yeah. and mm. running water has the same effect.
1: Yeah, oh, okay. That's why people
0: in the shower—you'll yes. often have a brilliant idea. Oh, yes, idea. a good idea in the yeah, shower. or the really... words will come. Yes, you yes. know, or you've been—you had a really knotty problem that you haven't yeah. been able to resolve, and you'll jump in the shower or sit by a running stream, and. Mm it comes mm. the
1: brain is a remarkable it is a thing, remarkable think, thing absolutely i think but when when also when you're falling off to sleep and that thing yes. of, yes. oh okay you know that idea and you know if you don't write it down and record it in some way in the morning remember. it's gone isn't it extraordinary mm, it's frightening
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we've come to your um well actually before we do that i just want mm. to ask do you know how children interpret the kite in
1: this book? Look, I don't. I don't. Um, to me, I mean, that was Robin. That was Robin's yeah. idea to do the kite because okay. it was that thing of okay, I've written the words. What I see here, what I see is illustrations. I could see it, but it wasn't the kite to me. Yeah. Um, and I remember she spoke to me and she said, "Queen, look, you know where we had the heart? That was that was really clear because you have my heart um, started with." uh basically an illustration illustration that robin did for a mother's day card and i actually so it worked the other way around so it was just one small illustration but that was my inspiration for you have my heart so this one was the other way around so i did the words first and then robin followed up with the so she said to me look i i the image of a kite how is that with you and i think yeah, I you know. think it really works, mm, mm. <clears throat> but you don't know how children read it. Look, I don't. I don't. <clears throat> um, I haven't. When I go into schools, I probably wouldn't be working with that book so much. The schools will tend to want me to do the information. Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. Um, and so I haven't honestly done that a lot in schools. Oh, See, I'd love to know. Yes. Oh, look, I will. I'll, this coming yes. year, I'll make sure I read all it. Okay. <laughs> well.
0: Speaking of information books, this mm. is a really fascinating book. This is your most recent
1: book? Think, uh, no, because um, follow up to Little Dog and the Christmas Wish oh, yes, of course. Little Dog okay. and the Summer Holidays. summer holidays. So that's just come out. Right. So um, and this was March this year. Yeah, yes, but
0: it is this mm. year. Yeah, yes, it came out. Yes. Well this came out in twenty seventeen. Yes. So mm. that's exciting. And this is a Fabulous story. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm. Although it does raise a few in the modern context, yep. it raises quite a few questions yes. about immigration. It and does illegal immigration, mm-hmm. and I'm not just talking about people, but actually <laughs> of bringing animals into Australia. Mm. So, but that's mm. sort of a bit further down the track. Mm. So it's it's Tertius. Tertius, yes. yes, which of course is my friend Tertius, and Tertius being Latin for third third, yes Yes. so we have primus secundus tertius Mm -hmm. and it's about a man um, and his wonderful wonderful relationship with
1: a monkey, with a gibbon. Yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's a gibbon. It's a gibbon. And this is the, the whole thing I have to explain all the time. And people, everybody assumes it's monkeys. Gibbons so are not monkey. No. So um, a gibbon is the smallest member of the ape family. So I've seen schools, you know, the gorillas, the orangutans, it's basically the ones without Tails. Yep. Um, whereas monkeys are the ones with tails. Yep. So I've actually got two fluffy toys. I, I've actually chopped the tail oh, off, well, off one of one and sewed up his bottom, <laughs> which I, kids think that's hysterical. Yeah. Just to explain that this is the difference between you know this this is this is um, a gibbon and this is a monkey, and it's the tail. And I'll hand and both hold them both up, and it will take them. Sometimes five children to say, okay, the big difference there is that one doesn't have a tail. Oh, how interesting. So that in itself is a fascinating. Fascinating, This is why picture books are just so good. You can go anywhere with them. And, um, yeah, so look, this, this took me 10 years. Oh, wow. it, it is a few more words. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think I think it's about fourteen hundred, which is long for a yeah, picture yeah. book. So it really is a picture story book.
0: But it's a bigger story, and it's and actually it's, really a story in three parts. Yeah, it is. I think you'd have to say. Yes, would you, you would. agree? You would. So it's almost a chapter book without being a chapter book. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: And and I really believed that it had to be that because I always saw it visually, right? Um, and but the information for this was just. It was like I knew the end. And nothing else. So I had to work oh. back and, and find and the beginning.
0: What brought you to the story? So you <laughs> Yeah. So the story yeah. is of yes. this this man, um, Cooper, Arthur Cooper, Arthur Cooper, mm-hmm. who was in fact an intelligence officer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was was he actually Chinese born? Or no, no, or he was English. He was English. Well, yeah, he was English. He and was English. Yes. Yes. He looks sort of oriental. Do you think? Isn't, I do, that, yeah.
1: isn't that interesting? Look to me, and because he's in, in Hong Kong to begin with, I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that is interesting. Not if, that it if, matters no, at all. But. If you go to the back, um, and I should have brought the actual yeah. um, photograph with me. <laughs> um, I uh, he, look. he's definitely English, and he yeah. was he was quite. Um, Upper class Englishman yeah, from okay. a very good family, and you know his brother had worked for Bletchley Park, so they were very, very highly intelligent and edu- well educated. Well educated. So he's, he's
0: living in Hong Kong. He's, he's in doing Hong intelligence Kong. work for the British Foreign Office for the Foreign Office. Foreign Office, and he ends up in Singapore. Yes, just before the fall of Singapore, yes. and he yes. actually miraculously escapes. Yes, but he's form he's he's been. Given this gibbon, this beautiful gibbon in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong called Tertius, Mm. taken it to Singapore, and then they've escaped on the last ship out of Singapore. Um, and there's all these wonderful little anecdotes where um, Tertius swallows the safety pin. And I loved how Tertius woke him up in the morning by that. prising his eyelids apart. And there's this just delightful picture mm-hmm. of, of Tertius, you know, going, wake up. <laughs> just delightful. And so they do escape and he eventually ends up um, docking in Fremantle in Australia, um, in Western Australia. And, of course, he has to hide Tertius, this Gibbon, because you can't bring a gibbon, a immigrant. Illegal, an illegal immigrant <laughs> um, into Australia. Um, and eventually he's caught up with by the authorities in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, Tertius ends up in the Melbourne Zoo. It's a bit circular, Corinne. You've begun with Queenie in the Melbourne Zoo and I you've know. ended up, you know.
1: I know. <laughs> with uh, yeah. with Tertius in the
0: Melbourne Zoo. but. Yeah. So it's a delightful story, which has all sorts of it. I can see the wonderful material in schools, you know, all these interesting um,
1: things that you could bring mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. apart from the story itself. But how did you come to this story? <laughs> Okay, um, look, it was as far back as when Queenie had just come out yeah. and I went to visit a lady because once Queenie came out, a lot of people rang me and said, oh, look, I've got photographs, I've got this to share with you, which was wonderful. And yeah. I have all those photographs. And look, a lady did ring me and I went to her house and, and she said, oh, look, of course, you've heard about Tertius. And I said, well, no, what's Tertius? And she actually said to me, Tertius is a monkey. And so her family had actually, um, her uncle, I think, had been the director of the zoo around that time. So as a little girl, she would be at the zoo. Anyway, cut a very long story short, I went home and I started checking up on Tertius. And there was very little information. There were a few newspaper clippings. Once again, there was hardly anything at the zoo, and I went back to the zoo records, the whole bit. And I could find out um, through those newspaper clippings on his life here, which was the end of his life. But then there was always bit in between. And one of the newspaper articles said, um, referred to the fact that, um, I think they said that Arthur Cooper was a sailor. Anyway, I basically just kept going and going and going. And then I... I discovered reference to Arthur Cooper and a lady called Emily Hahn. And she is the most fascinating character. So she was an American journalist, one of these women like in the 30s and 40s who was just before her time. Yeah. So she did these outrageous things like, you know, worked in the Congo and drove a, a convertible car across America, all this sort of stuff. Anyway, she and um, Arthur Cooper became friends um, when they were in Hong Kong and she loved gibbons and she had monkeys oh. as well and... I believe it was through her uh, interest that, that um, he ended uh, up with Tertius. And uh, so, look, and it, it was so hard. And I knew at one point, like five years into into researching and getting frustrated that I couldn't get the information um, there, I, I learned that his son was a doctor. And I just kept going at it. And um, I put, I think, a notice in the Australian Nurses Journal asking, were there any nurses? who escaped Singapore in 1942 and remember a man on the ship with a, with a gibbon. And I didn't get a reply from a nurse, but I did from a man who, um, had worked with Arthur Cooper or he'd been sort of, um, Arthur Cooper had been his mentor at Oxford University and he contacted me and said, look, I, I never met Tertius, but I can tell you a lot about Arthur Cooper. And it was through him who kept saying, look, don't give up, keep going, that I actually found Arthur Cooper's son. So oh, when I wow. did find him, he told me about the safety pin and the prising of the eyes and that whole X-ray bit and the bit about the curtains being ripped off yeah, the, yes. like a handkerchief from the, the window. So that was all so real and, you know, I've learnt to. I've. I haven't actually. I've met the man from Oxford, but I haven't met the son. Um, but we've got this lovely email relationship now, and he shared the book with his Just children. Wonderful. And um, yeah. So and look, it's, it's also special because um, Edward the son actually said to me that he feels through the book and me, he. He's, he feels a closer relationship with his father, and there was a lot about the war, and you know the father never ever mentioned Tertius mm. to him because mm. it was so painful um, for him. So he never talked about it. Oh, and uh, although they lived in Melbourne as a family for five years too, but by then Tertius was in the zoo and he couldn't get out, so there was nothing they could do about that. Oh. So that was that's a lovely feeling to know that it's touched. Yeah, absolutely. Like
0: yes. So mm. isn't it extraordinary the journeys that books mm. take you on? Yeah. Far beyond anything you might ever imagine. Yes. You have an idea and then you begin to pursue it. And, and that's what's so delicious. is <laughs> it fantastic? It's a huge privilege too, so it, I think. Oh, It, it, it is. really is. Well, it's a yeah. delightful book. I'm really looking forward to reading um, Little Dog and the Summer Holidays. Oh, I, I think that will be splendid. I should have got a copy, but I don't know. <laughs> not at all. bring one in. But it's been absolutely delightful. Talking to you, Corinne. You as well. Thank you, thank you as, for, as well, Jennifer. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank yes. you for coming into the book cave. Um, but before you go, You're going to aren't you a yes. question? We always <laughs> ask our guests in the book cave the sixty-four thousand dollar question. Mm. So we want to know your three books that mm. you would contribute to our virtual mm. time capsule, our virtual book bin. The three books that you would like the world to read a thousand years from now.
1: Thank you, and look, Jennifer, this has been wonderful. It's been such fun, so thank you, A thank pleasure. you for having me. Look, I agonized over—do I just make it picture books because that's my thing? Mm. So I have, I have chosen three picture books, and that in itself has been just agonizing. Um, absolutely, <laughs> it's agonizing. Actually meant to be
0: fun, me. Oh no, 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 it's agonizing. <laughs> okay. uh,
1: Sorry, so, <laughs> no, no, it's agonizing fun. There yeah, you go. That's right. Oh, well, that's um, the best time. <laughs> definitely the best time. Um, so, look, my first one is Old Pig. Um, by Margaret Wilde, and I love many of Margaret Wilde's books. Mm. Um, she just has the most beautiful voice for telling stories, and uses the most beautiful, perfect words. And um, yeah, I just think she's my hero. Old Pig was illustrated by Ron Brooks, and it's just this beautiful story about um, about losing people, I suppose, oh. and 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 death and dying, but told in the most beautiful, special, gentle way.
0: Old pig. Old.
1: Wonderful. Pig. Old pig. Um, the other one is, uh, Great Joy, and this is an American, um, author by the name of Kate Dick Millow. Mm-hmm. Now, this, Great Joy is illustrated. The, um, pronunciation is very hard, but it's Bagram Ibatulini. Something like that. Sounds <laughs> Pro- great. I've probably just ruined the, the sermon. No, that's but, all right. That's it. But, um, look, this is, um, a story set in New York. And, um, the words, once again, each word is just so beautiful and precious. And it's in, it's Christmas time. It's snowing in, in New York. A little girl looks out her window and sees an old man with symbols and a monkey. Oh. And, they're cold and he's begging for money and so the little girl is kind to him and invites him to her Christmas pantomime. And the mother's saying, well, no, no, we haven't got time, but the little girl persists. And it's just beautiful. Wonderful. Just once again, a, a, I suppose a, a simple premise told in a beautiful way. Um, the, best, and the best
0: kinds of books. The
1: best kinds mm-hmm. of books. And then The Velveteen Rabbit by Marjorie oh. Williams. And that was truly um before I had any picture books published, that was the book that um, I aspired to. It's quite long by mm. today's standards, but, you know, I mean, I think everybody will know the story, I hope, of the Velveteen Rabbit. But um, once again, you know, um, caring about something and loving something no matter what and, yeah, really important.
0: So it's a strong theme of love yes. in, in, in all of these books, your books too. Mm. Love and loyalty,
1: mm. and uh, yeah. The simple the simple things, I think, are often the best. Mm. I think
0: that's really true, and a mm. wonderful note to end on. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Corinne Fenton,
0: for coming into the Book Cave. Thank you very it's much. Been wonderful having you. Thank you. you. Bye bye.
1: In the Book Cave was recorded at the Mats, with the
0: assistance of ninety four point seven FM, Geelong. And produced by Corner Shop Studios, Jam Lab and Creative Geelong.